is foster care? Why might people want to become foster parents? Can people adopt children or youth through the foster care program in the United States? What challenges do the children and new parents face when this occurs? Join us today as we learn about domestic foster care and foster care adoption. My guest today is Jenny Schroll. She's a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in adoption and foster care. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Jenny, for being my guest today on Family Shield. Hi, Kay. Thank you for having me as a guest today. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. Well, tell our listeners about your family and then speak briefly about your work as a licensed clinical social worker and how it relates to today's topic, domestic foster care and foster care adoption. Sure. Um, So my grandparents were actually foster parents and uh, my mom grew up with foster siblings. And one of these siblings was part of my life growing up and was my uncle just as much as my uh, mom's birth siblings were. And my husband and I also served as foster parents for about seven years and uh, for teenage girls. And we adopted our last kiddo that we had fostered. Um, In terms of my work as a clinical social worker, uh, I currently have a private practice and I work with foster um, and adoptive parents who are struggling with parenting their adopted kiddos and provide support around um, implementing trauma-informed parenting strategies to Um, improve relationship and connection in the home and help to reduce survival behaviors that the kiddos may be demonstrating in the home. Good. And tell us about your uh, other children. My oldest daughter uh, was adopted. She um, is 22. And then my birth children are 12, 10, and 4. Good. And you have a husband in there too, right? Yes, I do. My (laughs) husband and I have been married for almost 17 years. Oh, wow. And uh, he was was very much on board when I posed the idea of being foster parents. Mm. And um, I was really excited because having experienced my own connection with foster care, that was something that I was really interested in and and passionate about of being able to provide at some point in my life when when I was an adult and and had a partner and were living life. Wonderful. Before we go on to start talking about our topic, tell our listeners where you live. I live in Alaska. Um, I was born and raised here and I attended a a private Lutheran college in Nebraska, which is where I met my husband and um, brought him back up here after we graduated and we have lived here ever since. And he's originally from St. Louis. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I know his mom very well. So very good. All right. Well, let's um, uh, just for our listeners and and for me, because as I uh, as we talked about this topic, I'm like, I got to do a little more research myself. I don't know a whole lot about the foster care system. So tell our listeners, what is foster care? So 
foster care is um, a form of care for children um, that when there are reports of harm and cases of abuse or neglect that children are placed in state custody with the goal and the intention of families being able to work a case plan and be able to reunify. So the purpose of foster care is to help resolve some of the issues that resulted in the child coming into um, child protective care so that they can return back to their birth families. Okay, good. And so each um, a foster care system is run by the state. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And what if someone wanted to become a foster parent? What do they need to do? Not to adopt, just to become a foster mm-hmm. parent. Yeah, so if people are interested in fostering, the best thing that they can do is to reach out to their child protection department in their state. Um, different states call it different things. Um, In Alaska, for example, it's called the Office of Children um, Services. In other states, it's the Department of Youth and Family Services. So whichever whichever state department kind of manages the um, child protection, um, the child protection field. And then they'll give them the requirements because there are going to be some requirements for them if they want to do that. Yeah, there's an application process, and families will go through background checks and do fingerprinting. Um, I am fairly sure that most states do some kind of in-home assessment Mm -hmm. to determine appropriateness of a home for foster care. And probably some training, too, for them. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. very good. Well, according to the federal data that I found, there are more than 400,000 children in the United States in the foster care system. And mm-hmm. uh, in 2019, the information I found, there were 71,000 children awaiting adoption. So we do want to talk about the foster care system, but we also want to talk about a little bit later about how someone might adopt a foster care child that is able to be adopted. But what unique challenges do families have when they care for foster children? If you think from the perspective of a child who has entered foster care, they have sustained a significant trauma. They have been removed from everything that they have known. They've been removed from their parents. They've been possibly removed from pets, other relatives, Uh, Many times they're removed from their schools and aren't able to continue attending the same school. So there is this sudden, unexpected removal from everything that this child has been connected to and known. So even though a child may be experiencing abuse or neglect at the hands of their birth family or whichever, um, whoever is caring for the child, um, there is an additional trauma that comes along with removal from, from the home and being placed in foster care. And that is, that is a component that um, can present a lot of challenges mm-hmm. um, because kiddos are terrified. They don't know who they're with. They don't know if they're safe. They don't know um, 
maybe where their siblings are, because sometimes mm. when uh, a sibling group is placed in foster care, they can't all go to the same foster home. Mm-hmm. And so they might be split up and put in different foster homes. Every single one of those things is, is traumatic, and they're going to have behaviors that are consistent with a child who's experiencing a significant trauma. And they can be really hard, challenging behaviors. Yeah, they, they can. And, and a lot of times we call that the child is acting out, but they're acting out or doing things they shouldn't do sometimes because of that trauma. So I think it's important exactly. for everybody to understand that, but especially for the foster parents are, mm-hmm. as we talk later about parents that might adopt children from the foster care program, building trust and building a relationship has to be one of the first things they do. Would you agree? How do they do that? That is the most important thing that um, foster parents or people who are caring for children who've been removed from their birth family can do is to work on building that trust and that connection and that relationship with the child. And meeting meeting basic needs. Um, many times children who have come into care have experienced significant food insecurity. So mm. they may have spent a lot of their life or their previous um, years experiencing starvation. Mm. And so providing food, providing opportunities to um, have meals together as a family, um to to have access to healthy snacks and options at all times um food is a huge huge issue for children mm. in foster care and sometimes um foster parents don't recognize or understand why some of why there's so much issues around food mm. and so much of it goes to goes back to that basic need of um, having food and not feeling hungry. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It reminds this is terrible, but we just got a new rescue dog, two years old, and she was obviously on her own, finding her own food because she keeps going outside and scavenging food around our backyard. And we keep right. saying, you got a mm-hmm. bowl full of food in here, but that's what she does. And we're, we're, we're learning about her as we see some of those things. And um, she's just a, she's a dog, and we love her. But um, for children, that's got to be so traumatic. But they're not going to tell you those things, are they? Nope, not at all. They will they will tell you what they need, but in some very unloving ways mm-hmm. and some very challenging ways. And continuing to reach out to them and make efforts to connect. Um, you know, things that you would do, things that you would do with your own children, engaging them in playing games, mm-hmm. um, taking them to the store to help them pick out some clothes that fit them properly. Many times children come into care and they don't have clothes that fit them properly. And being able to provide that basic need works so well with targeting that building trust in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That really is the key to helping them let go of and see a reduction in some of their survival behaviors. Survival behaviors can't be consequenced. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, you you cannot consequence a survival behavior from a child by building that trust and connection with them um, over time. They're able to let go of some of those some of those survival behaviors. Okay, we're going to come back to that a little bit later, but sure. uh, let's just uh, for our listeners talk about the difference be- between being a foster parent and an adoptive parent. So a foster parent uh, is serving a temporary purpose of providing care for a child while a family is working on their case plan um, for reunification. The intention of foster care is for children to be able to reunify with their parents, but sometimes that is not possible. And children will go through however long the state allows for that process to happen until the decision is made to terminate parental rights. And at that point is when a child becomes legally free for adoption. Mm -hmm. Many times parents who have been serving as foster parents are options for the child to be um, adopted with. And sometimes families are not going the direction of adoption. And so the agency will work with the child and with other families to match them with a pre-adoptive home so that they can um, go through the adoption process and achieve permanency. Great, great. Okay, very good. All right, I'm going to make some announcements, and then we will come back and continue talking about foster care and foster care adoption. Family Shield Ministries is composed of Christians who care about families and the gospel, transforming lives now and for eternity. The Family Shield radio program is aired on more than 50 radio stations throughout the United States and on our podcast platforms. We also coordinate other educational and outreach services that serve individuals and their families. Thanks for listening. This week, we're giving away two complimentary booklets, Helping Your Child Have a Relationship with God and Why Do Bad Things Happen? To receive one or both of them, call our response center, 1-877-250-8416, or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. We encourage our listeners to sign up to receive the Family Shield's email newsletter, you can send your email address to us at witness2family at gmail.com. Your prayers and support allow Family Shield to continue to reach and equip individuals and their families for Christ. Your support makes our work in the ripe and plentiful harvest possible. Thank you. Now I want to go back to my guest, Jenny Schroll. Uh, her website is www.bearmountainclinicalservices.com. I want to let the listeners know that we have added her website to our recommended links on our website. And uh, so if you forget uh, she where she is or what her name was, you can find it there. You can always email us, and we would be happy to also share that. But, uh, Jenny, tell our listeners how they can get in contact with you. Sure. Um, the My website is a great way to get in contact with me. Each page of my website has a contact me option. You can fill out your 
name and phone number and email address, and that goes directly to my email address. So anybody who reaches out to me through my website, um, I'm able to get back in touch with them. Um, I do also have a business Facebook page as well hmm. um, that also that. that also links to my website, and okay. I'll share different articles and and things about uh, trauma and working with kids and couples. And so I share different resources on my Facebook page as well. W- wonderful, wonderful. Well, we want to go back then to our topic. And uh, you already had kind of touched on my next question. How does the foster care system work? Can foster care parents adopt? And obviously they can, but they don't have to. You mentioned that. Mm -hmm. And what must happen for this adoption to occur? And you had already mentioned that the biological parents must have relinquished their child so he or she is legally free for adoption. And um, I know that would be important because most of them come into it just because there's a problem in the family, as you mentioned. And a lot of times those parents are uh, maybe they're on drugs and they're just trying to go through a drug uh, program so they can get better and they can get their children back. But sometimes that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen. Uh, But what else needs to occur before those children are able to be adopted? Basically, the termination of parental rights is the determining factor of whether children are legally free for adoption. Sometimes that's done through parental relinquishment. Um, If a parent knows that things are going that direction and they're not going to be able to reunify with their children, they can actually make the decision themselves to um, relinquish their children, and sometimes they'll do that with a specific family in mind. Like they will relinquish because they want the particular oh. foster parents or family who is caring for their child or a relative to mm-hmm. step in to provide that permanent care for the child. That's great. The other, the other path is if the state actually proceeds with legal termination of parental rights, oh. and then that's the state making the determination that they will no longer be able to return to their birth parents. And at that point, then the child is legally free um, to be available for adoption. That's great. One of the other things you said to me the other day when we talked is that babies are not normally in the foster care program. Um, That in fact, in my research, I saw that the average age of a foster child is eight. I'm sure that spans from maybe very young to certainly lots of teenagers, too. Is that what you see as well? I mean, I know you're in Alaska and things may be different there, but is that normal to to have all of those ages, but maybe eight being a... a uh, so a lot of I'll them. Clarify, I'll clarify just a little bit. Okay. So there are lots of babies that are in foster oh. care. However, because of the timelines that are given, for example, in Alaska, um, families are given 15 months in order to kind of comply with a case plan in order to work towards reunification. And if that 15 months passes, at that point, the state is legally allowed to proceed with termination. Mm. So it's not that babies aren't Aren't. in foster care. It's just that babies aren't legally free when they come into care and end up being an older child when they become legally free because of that timeline that's given to birth families. Okay, thank you. That's good clarification. All right, good. So uh, let's just uh, talk a little bit now about... uh, 
parents, maybe foster parents that do decide they want to adopt. It wouldn't have to be foster parents, though. It could be anyone, correct? Yeah, yeah. Anybody anybody could adopt. Um, there's still that same kind of background process. Um, fingerprints are done to make sure that people who are interested in wanting to adopt are, are safe individuals to um, parent these children who have already experienced a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, another maybe challenge is that a lot of times they want to keep the siblings together. That's not always possible, yes. is it? Yeah, that's a huge challenge. Yeah, especially if it's, I was reading something about uh, a couple that were only approved to have two children, but they heard about four siblings <laughs> that needed mm-hmm. a home and they you know, ch- changed their mind and, and then the state helped them get the supplies and things that they needed so they could take all four of those children in. What a blessing that is. Mm-hmm. That would be a yeah. big commitment, really big commitment, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more about the uh, foster care adoption process and, and then a little bit more because we started talking about the need for trust in relationships just as our time uh, uh, goes by in the second half. A little bit more about some of the challenges that, that parents face, whether they're uh, foster care parents or whether they're adoptive parents, as they take these children into their homes and try to build a trusting relationship with them. So in terms of the um, adoption process, the big determining factor is that a child must be legally free. And we kind of defined that already, what Mm -hmm. that means. So a family who um, is interested in adopting, um, and let's, for simplicity's sake, say that they already have the child in their home. Um, That family would go through what's called an adoption home study. And it looks a little bit different in each state, but the home study serves the purpose of getting to know the family, getting to know the needs of the child, making sure that um, there are services um, in place for the child to meet their needs and that the family feels um, prepared and has the resources that they need to be successful in parenting that child. Uh, The home study is the actual legal document that goes to the court that states whether that child um, or whether that family is recommended to adopt the child. Um, There's typically three recommendation outcomes, a positive recommendation, a negative recommendation, and uh, a recommendation with stipulations. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there might be some loose ends that need tied up. a teenager in the home tur- just turned 16, and they need to have fingerprints done to comply with legal requirements of background checks, so those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that home study has been completed and it goes to the court with the recommendation, the court is then able to schedule the adoption hearing um, and be able to complete that um, adoption process within the court system, and that child then legally becomes part of their adoptive family permanently. Wow. Praise God. Uh, that would be a nice way to to uh, either expand your family or, or, you know, maybe you don't have any children and uh, to be able mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. So share an example, uh, Jenny, of a problem a parent or parents 
face that you were able to help them with uh, as a therapist and in your work that you deal with, just one. But just one example of someone that you helped, no names, uh, just the problem Mm -hmm. and what you did or how how it worked out. Um, Well, a common challenging time for children and youth who've been adopted are the teen years. Um, And that's because all of adolescence, the entire purpose of that developmental time period is figuring out your identity. Who am I? Where do I fit in this world? All of those identity things. And for children who've experienced adoption, there can be a lot of unknowns of who am I? Where did I come from? Who were the people that um, are that are my birth parents? Where are they now? Why was I adopted? Why was I in foster care? All of these questions are so important in a youth being able to build this identity that is a very normal part of adolescence. Just helping the parents navigate that that difficulty and that challenge and helping to support their youth with figuring out the answers to some of those questions. And some of them may still be unknown, but helping to fill in some of those puzzle pieces and gaps to their story is a very important process for a youth to then grow up and be an adult and be able to have a happy functioning relationship with with friends and in their own marriages and and parenting in the future as well. Okay, very good. Our time is up. Uh, This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield Ministries. Jenny Schroll has been my guest. This week, we're giving away two complimentary booklets, Helping Your Child Have a Relationship with God and Why Do Bad Things Happen? To receive one or both of them, call our response center, 1-877-250-8416, or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. We encourage our listeners to sign up to receive the Family Shield's email newsletter. You can send your email address to us at witness2family at gmail.com. Find out more about Family Shield on our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. God bless your day. listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com. Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.